Chapters 44 and 45 of Rasselas, Prince of Abyssinia. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Rasselas, Prince of Abyssinia by Samuel Johnson. Chapter 44 The Dangerous Prevalence of Imagination disorders of intellect answered imlac happen much more often than superficial observers will easily believe perhaps if we speak with rigorous exactness no human mind is in its right state there is no man whose imagination does not sometimes predominate over his reason who can regulate his attention wholly by his will and whose ideas will come and go at his command no man will be found in whose mind airy notions do not sometimes tyrannize and force him to hope or fear beyond the limits of sober probability all power of fancy over reason is a degree of insanity but while this power is such as we can control and repress it is not visible to others nor considered as any deprivation of the mental faculties it is not pronounced madness but when it becomes ungovernable and apparently influences speech or action to indulge the power of fiction and send imagination out upon the wing is often the sport of those who delight too much in silent speculation when we are alone we are not always busy the labour of excogitation is too violent to last long the ardour of inquiry will sometimes give way to idleness or satiety he who has nothing external that can divert him must find pleasure in his own thoughts and must conceive himself what he is not for who is pleased with what he is he then expatiates in boundless futurity and culls from all imaginable conditions that which for the present moment he should most desire amuses his desires with impossible enjoyments and confers upon his pride unattainable dominion the mind dances from scene to scene unites all pleasures in all combinations and riots in delights which nature and fortune with all their bounty cannot bestow in time some particular train of ideas fixes the attention all other intellectual gratifications are rejected the mind in weariness or leisure recurs constantly to the favourite conception and feasts on the luscious falsehood whenever she is offended with the bitterness of truth by degrees the reign of fancy is confirmed she grows first imperious and in time despotic then fictions begin to operate as realities false opinions fasten upon the mind 
and life passes in dreams of rapture or of anguish this sir is one of the dangers of solitude which the hermit has confessed not always to promote goodness and the astronomer's misery has proved to be not always propitious to wisdom i will no more said the favourite imagine myself the queen of abyssinia i have often spent the hours which the princess gave to my own disposal in adjusting ceremonies and regulating the court i have repressed the pride of the powerful and granted the petitions of the poor i have built new palaces in more happy situations planted groves upon the tops of mountains and have exulted in the beneficence of royalty till when the princess entered i had almost forgotten to bow down before her and i said the princess will not allow myself any more to play the shepherdess in my waking dreams i have often soothed my thoughts with the quiet and innocence of pastoral employments till i have in my chamber heard the winds whistle and the sheep bleat sometimes freed the lamb entangled in the thicket and sometimes with my crook encountered the wolf i have a dress like that of the village maids which i put on to help my imagination and a pipe on which i play softly and suppose myself followed by my flocks i will confess said the prince an indulgence of fantastic delight more dangerous than yours i have frequently endeavoured to imagine the possibility of a perfect government by which all wrong should be restrained all vice reformed and all the subjects preserved in tranquillity and innocence this thought produced innumerable schemes of reformation and dictated many useful regulations and salutary effects this has been the sport and sometimes the labour of my solitude and i start when i think with how little anguish i once supposed the death of my father and my brothers such said imlac are the effects of visionary schemes when we first form them we know them to be absurd but familiarize them by degrees and in time lose sight of their folly chapter forty five they discourse with an old man the evening was now far past and they rose to return home as they walked along the banks of the nile delighted with the beams of the moon quivering on the water they saw at a small distance an old man whom the prince had often heard in the assembly of the sages yonder said he is one whose years have calmed his passions but not clouded his reason let us close the disquisitions of the night by inquiring what are his sentiments of his own state that we may know whether youth alone is to struggle with vexation 
and whether any better hope remains for the latter part of life here the sage approached and saluted them they invited him to join their walk and prattled a while as acquaintances that had unexpectedly met one another the old man was cheerful and talkative and the way seemed short in his company he was pleased to find himself not disregarded accompanied them to their house and at the prince's request entered with them they placed him in the seat of honour and set wine and conserves before him sir said the princess an evening walk must give to a man of learning like you pleasures which ignorance and youth can hardly conceive you know the qualities and the causes of all that you behold the laws by which the river flows the periods in which the planets perform their revolutions everything must supply you with contemplation and renew the consciousness of your own dignity lady answered he let the gay and the vigorous expect pleasure in their excursions it is enough that age can attain ease to me the world has lost its novelty i look round and see what i remember to have seen in happier days i rest against a tree and consider that in the same shade i once disputed upon the annual overflow of the nile with a friend who is now silent in the grave i cast my eyes upwards fix them on the changing moon and think with pain on the vicissitudes of life i have ceased to take much delight in physical truth for what have i to do with those things which i am soon to leave you may at least recreate yourself said imlac with the recollection of an honourable and useful life and enjoy the praise which all agree to give you <sighs> praise said the sage with a sigh is to an old man an empty sound i have neither mother to be delighted with the reputation of her son nor wife to partake the honours of her husband i have outlived my friends and my rivals nothing is now of much importance for i cannot extend my interest beyond myself youth is delighted with applause because it is considered as the earnest of some future good and because the prospect of life is far extended but to me who am now declining to decrepitude there is little to be feared from the malevolence of men and yet less to be hoped from their affection or esteem something they may yet take away but they can give me nothing riches would now be useless and high employment would be pain my retrospect of life recalls to my view many opportunities of good neglected much time squandered upon trifles and more lost in idleness and vacancy 
i leave many great designs unattempted and many great attempts unfinished my mind is burdened with no heavy crime and therefore i compose myself to tranquillity endeavour to abstract my thoughts from hopes and cares which though reason knows them to be vain still try to keep their old possession of the heart expect with serene humility that hour which nature cannot long delay and hope to possess in a better state that happiness which here i could not find and that virtue which here i have not attained he arose and went away leaving his audience not much elated with the hope of long life the prince consoled himself with remarking that it was not reasonable to be disappointed by this account for age had never been considered as the season of felicity and if it was possible to be easy in decline and weakness it was likely that the days of vigour and alacrity might be happy that the noon of life might be bright if the evening could be calm the princess suspected that age was querulous and malignant and delighted to repress the expectations of those who had newly entered the world she had seen the possessors of estates look with envy on their heirs and known many who enjoyed pleasure no longer than they could confine it to themselves pekuah conjectured that the man was older than he appeared and was willing to impute his complaints to delirious dejection or else supposed that he had been unfortunate and was therefore discontented for nothing said she is more common than to call our own condition the condition of life imlac who had no desire to see them depressed smiled at the comforts which they could so readily procure to themselves and remembered that at the same age he was equally confident of unmingled prosperity and equally fertile of consolatory expedients he forbore to force upon them unwelcome knowledge which time itself would too soon impress the princess and her lady retired the madness of the astronomer hung upon their minds and they desired imlac to enter upon his office and delay next morning the rising of the sun end of chapter 45 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey